Okay, so this is a, an ending, if anything ends. Does breath end or does it just subside into openness and move again and come in again? Does breath end or does it just subside into openness and then rise again? Does the daylight end or does it just go down, dark and then come up again? We're on a turning earth, we're in a turning world. Does life end (laughs) or does it just go down and then return again, take another form? Hmm? What do you think? Uh, I guess we'll find out, won't we? So be um, aware of that strong sense of ending because, uh, you know, this particular screen time phenomenon associated with that, the visual contact and so forth, that... uh, comes to termination, but of course awareness doesn't end, practice doesn't end, um, and hopefully the fruits of the practice, if you linger in them, will continue to permeate into your life. So this is part of the reason for <laughs> cultivating anapanasati, because as long as you're breathing, it's there. Yeah, and you can return to it just even for a few minutes. Just breathe. You can turn to it five minutes. That's a good thing to do, just keep returning to it. So it becomes something you trust. And you trust it perhaps more than you trust your thinking mind, (laughs) which tends to run out. Breathing always takes you home again takes you home again. <clears throat> Thinking always takes you out. So when you get those strong reflex things happening, it spins out into, oh my goodness, uh, what am I going to do now? Just breathing in, breathing out. That's what you do now. When the panic button hits, this is what you do now. Mm, when you find yourself overwhelmed with thoughts, this is what you do. You, Breathe in, breathe out. Mm. That's why we cultivate it, and we cultivate it to make it a friend, and we cultivate it in a friendly manner. It's not a machine, it's not a technique, it's a friend. And you cultivate a friendship, that's quite natural, isn't it? You don't cultivate it according to some system of five first five points to create a friend you do this then you do that and you do this you kind of <laughs> you sort of feel your way with it <laughs> but you probably make a few polite gestures and get to know each other with it gradually um, so this is kind of the way we should one way to consider uh, mindfulness of breathing not to make it into something too kind of abstract or um, technical Prudha said this is a practice that bears great fruit because it makes real these establishments of mindfulness. It also makes real and experienced the uh, factors of awakening. It gives them a real felt empirical experience. You know what, oh, this is what right energy means. It's this. You know? This is what joy 
actually means. This is what this is where it is. It's in this. And so you get to be able to get a direct experience of these awakening factors. But again, that maybe that's too abstract. Yeah. But you could say in, in the long run, you know, uh, it makes you into a more wakeful but less tense and compulsive person. It liberates the heart from the compulsions of the asawa. So we take some time to recollect it. And even as we close the session, my advice is always try not to go back to, oh, well, that's over, and go back to that. Try to go forward. There's only one direction, really. There's only one direction. There's no back. So what do we do? When we began Anapanasati practice, we said, put aside what you don't need to do now. And focus on what's really absolutely essential, presence, awareness. That's Without that, you're in trouble. Without that, presence, awareness, sati, you're in trouble. Get that. The rest of the details, don't get confused or overwhelmed with them. So you say, what can you put aside? What's really important? Get that right first. That's what we did. We began the practice and that's what we should do as we continue, as we move into the world where there's a lot more data and energies rushing around. You've got to have that strong filtering experience, filters in. And I used to have a, a little motto, so sometimes you can get these little slogans that you bear in mind or put in your fridge door or stick on beside your bed so you see when you wake up, <laughs> get in quickly. You know, opening in, opening into nothing, <laughs> uh, things like this. And one I had was, um, if you're getting everything done, you're missing the most important point. If you're getting everything done, you're not doing the most important thing. Because if you're getting everything done, it means you're probably running compulsively. Most important thing is to live with the unfinished. Anything, you know, then you're actually living in a balance because things are always unfinished. If you're getting everything done, probably means you're leaving your own body and your own awareness. So life is always loose ends, unfinished, unfinished. You see, your responsibility is not to get everything done, but to maintain presence and awareness. So one way of recollecting everything comes down to refuges. And the word is very meaningful and poignant. Taking refuge. We're refugees. (laughs) Refugees from samsara. Asylum seekers. (laughs) Just the the sangsara that we can establish and and in our own hearts and minds. We're taking refuge from that. Please let me in. Uh, And this, uh, so we have Buddha Dhamma Sangha. This represents presence, awareness, and 
handling things with awareness, with the Dhamma Sangha, and it's the sense of the, the uh, community of practice that we belong to. As we've seen, and this is another beautiful manifestation, most of the time we're being called Belgians or French or Brazilians or Mexicans or Americans. You know, we get stuck into these national boxes. <laughs> and now we see something like, you get an experience like this, you realize, oh yeah, we're Sangha. You know, and we've made an effort, some people have made considerable effort to step outside their, their normal rhythms of the day in order to be part of Sangha. You know, staying up till goodness knows what hours of the morning in order to be part of Sangha, because that's so meaningful. You know, when people are getting up very early, some people are staying up late in order to be part of Sangha. So, for those of us who've got it relatively easy in the, in the kind of European time capsule, you know, we should feel really honored that people in Asia and North America have have joined us to be part of our uh, gathering, our community. That's how much it means. And you see, you know, one thing that's so missing in life is community. It's a sense of really people sharing and giving and being with each other and uh, feeling part of each other without these terrible boundaries and comparisons and judgments and restrictions which the world seems to be establishing more and more vigorously, all the boundaries get firmer and harder. So part of our practice has to be continually to to dissolve these boundaries and make an effort to reach out across the boundaries to hear and be present with each other. And this is one of the things that this strange zooming stuff can do to an extent. But of course, you know, remember, in this very body and mind, you have the perfect system to do that. Because <laughs> the mind doesn't have any boundaries. The heart doesn't have boundaries. When you develop the boundless heart, you bring to mind people near and far, alive and dead. Even those who cross the boundary, the death boundary, you bring them into mind. And people who are near and far, you know, and you bring them into mind and uh, you cultivate goodwill. This brings you back to Sangha. You know, brings you back to Sangha. So recollect these things. You know, we all realize, you know, there's some difficult territory to cross, but uh, right. but when you're traveling on your own, difficult territory, it's tough when you're traveling with a group across difficult territory. It's kind of, it's okay. You know, it's kind of fun. It's, it's really okay when you're traveling together. My sangha is so important to experience. Mm-hmm. What makes that possible, of course, is our sense of respect for each other. And this is a very single word, respect and mutuality. This is a very simple, succinct way of summing up what we mean by moral integrity. The five precepts, or however many precepts you want, you can have lots of them if you like, but they amount to 
respect and integrity. So the welfare of others is equal to my welfare. The views of other people is worthy of listening to as much as mine is. Yeah. The welfare of another is as important as mine is. Why should it not be? So we refrain from anything that would you know, abuse or despise or reject or deceive or distort, poison this body, this mind or that of other people. Then a sense of mutuality can occur because people can trust each other. So when you cultivate like this, then you're really cultivating in line with, with Sangha. So, yeah, well, <laughs> seems to have worked out okay. Uh, we're a bit uncertain how these things are going to go because uh, there uh, will be quite a lot of things one can say and without wishing to overwhelm people with too many ideas so I may have I may have occasionally done that and so if I got a bit excited and got too verbal <laughs> too much talking and too many complicated ideas then I uh, hope you can forgive me for that it's just I get a bit eager to uh, to throw lots of things in maybe it's a bit too much but yeah, you know, we have a precious time, so I'm quite eager to offer as full uh, a full and rich experience as I can. Uh, and just it's always I need to bear in mind and ask you to bear in mind these things take a lot of space and silence to really settle down, sink in. You know, you can take a little bit of a teaching, chew it over, and it just takes time for it to really get into your into your system. So if you're just dealing with, you know, stage like getting your body upright and getting comfortable with that, just do that until, it, until you get that. <laughs> and then if you get round to just just waiting in your body, just sit there in your body till it feels comfortable and wait until your breathing comes to you. Don't go, oh, I've got to do this. No, don't do that. Just breathe. Just until the body's settled, the settled body will give you breathing. And wait till it gives it to you and then pick up what you can. And that's, that's the approach where the mind is kept in that soft, attentive, receptive way. And it drinks in. And every time you drink in the good, every time you drink any of the good in, you clean out the bad. That's the way it goes. You clean out the dullness or the ignorance every time you drink something in. And that fills up. And the expression is not so much, you know, progress so much as one thing flows into another. So as one stage fills up, as it becomes full and complete, it naturally swells and it rises into the next. It flows over into the next stage, becomes available. person who has the trust and the humility to allow that process to move on, to open and to follow the Dhamma in its flow. So I've been cultivating this for something like 40 odd years. And I'm still, still, <laughs> I think there's still some room for a bit more flow <laughs> to occur yet. <laughs> uh, and it's important to make it enjoyable 
it's, it's a long a long trip so make it enjoyable <laughs> uh, uh, anyway so thank you for your company and of course uh, our, our gratitude and respect to Bodhi College and to Senior and to Marianne for hosting it and whoever somebody must be working in the background twiddling knobs somewhere so whoever's out there helping in, the, in this thing uh, gratitude for you for making this occasion possible. So I do.